Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. This podcast episode is sponsored by Shopify Queen, Sarah Gensel of Gensel & Co. Do you currently have a Shopify site selling products or services that aren't performing as well as you're hoping? Or do you have a product or service you'd love to sell, but you have no idea where to start? Well, my girl, Sarah Gensel, the Shopify queen, is a person to talk to. She is amazing and brilliant at branding and is currently helping me completely revamp my website on Shopify to showcase my new brand and selling my products. So if this sounds like something you've been looking for, please reach out to her on IG at Sarah Gensel, that's J-A-N-S-E-L. Leave her the code Sylvie, that's S-Y-L-V-I-E, and she will add you to her free Shopify Facebook group where she coaches weekly on Shopify strategies and has tons of content to help you in your Shopify journey to building your online business. So don't forget, DM her on Instagram at Sarah Gensel, J-A-N-S-E-L, and leave her the code Sylvie. She'll reach out and add you to her community. Thank you very much and have an amazing day and enjoy the episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Daou. And we have Daniel Brower, who I found on Instagram, who is in Alaska. And I just love finding people all over the world. I mean, I know this is in the United States, but Alaska is a pretty special place, I think. Um, And I'm super excited. He got into cycling and he's been fat biking up there and doing endurance uh, races. And uh, here's a little bit about Daniel before we get and bring him out. So here we go. Okay, uh, he was born in I'm just going to say Barrow, Alaska, because I can't even pronounce that other name. Or Can you give us, what's the official name? Utiavik. Uh, yeah, see, that's why. <laughs> Thank God he gave me something smaller, Brower, Alaska. He's 40 years old, and the bike is his main fitness for both physical and mental um, just staying healthy. He got into endurance racing at the beginning of the pandemic for something to do. I think that's a lot of people's stories. Pandemic was a was a blessing in disguise for a lot of people. Um, having never done endurance racing before, there's quite a learning curve, he says. So biking in extreme cold, minus 40, yes, I would imagine, uh, requires a different kit and mindset than biking in plus 15, which is what we all love so welcome to the podcast daniel i am so excited to listen to your story 
Thank you for having me, Sylvia. And may the fourth be with you. May the fourth. <laughs> You're so cute. All right. So the first question is how, like, I know we know how you got into cycling, but give us the, your story on how you got into cycling. Okay. So, um, in February of 2019, I had come to the end of the relationship that I had with my significant other. And my father offered me the opportunity to come back to Fairbanks, Alaska to help him uh, start a business with him and stuff. And I jumped on the opportunity. So I basically got rid of all of my worldly possessions. I jumped on a plane with a backpack and a duffel bag, determined to make it. And I apologize about the helicopter. And um, I came up here to Fairbanks and I quickly realized that I was in like almost the, an entirely different planet, just like the, the atmosphere and the ecosystem. Um, I went, I came from Detroit, or excuse me, Detroit, Michigan, where at the time it was about 30 degrees to Fairbanks, Alaska, where it was like negative 25, negative 30 outside. And um, I didn't have a car. So I ended up having to buy a bicycle and I had bought a regular sized bicycle. Um, and I'm a, I'm a bigger framed guy. I'm a, what, 180 centimeters and about 120 kilograms. So six foot, 300 pounds around there. And um, a regular sized bike just didn't work for me. I didn't feel comfortable riding it. So after a couple of months, I decided that uh, my best course of options for me was to enroll in college. So I enrolled in college and I was able to save up enough money that I was to, able to get a fat bike. Mm. And um, with fat bikes, just like any other bike, you have like your couple hundred dollar Walmart special to your... <laughs> 15 to 20,000 carbon fiber, you know, like racing bike. So yeah. <laughs> I decided somewhere in the middle and I ended up buying a Surly Pugsley. Um, they're all steel. So I figured it would hold me. And with the extreme um, conditions up here, I figured that I wouldn't have to worry about it cracking or breaking. Mm -hmm. And um, for the first five months of having it, I was just biking back and forth to school. My commute was about 10 to 12 miles. Uh, so about <laughs> seven, That's 17. a fair distance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's not just like your know, five, seven, maybe 10 K. That's a, that's a good workout two times a day, every day. <laughs> yeah. I was, um, I had went from, um, I went from pretty much letting myself go physically to like slowly rebuilding my body. Um, I was started gaining muscle where like I didn't have muscle before I was losing weight. And um, after a while, I found myself going on um, 20 mile uh, bike rides just for fun on nights when I found it hard for me to sleep. Uh, I would just go on like a 20, 25 mile bike ride whoa <laughs> and um in the process of that oh i apologize what 
Oh no, I was just gonna say in the cold. <laughs> oh no, this was in the summer. I've done it in the cold okay. too. Yeah. Um and in the process of doing that, I ended up um meeting some people. Uh it's called Team Red, White, and Blue or Team RWB. They're uh they're really big stateside, but they're a uh they're a physical fitness and mental health advocacy group for veterans. Oh, very cool. And uh up here, I jokingly refer to it as Boy Scouts with beer because like, yeah, they go like go hiking and stuff and mountain climbing. They do all sorts of stuff here in Alaska. It's really fun. But um, I ended up uh, meeting them and started going on bike rides and stuff with uh, some of the individuals in this group. And uh, as winter began to approach, they started schooling me on some of the stuff that I needed because I just kind of thought that I would be able to ride my bike just the way that I purchased it. And, you know, it's like buying a $2,000 bike was just the beginning of the adventure. Um, I had to buy studded tires, which up here cost $220 a piece. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I bought these things called pogies, which is, oh, if you yeah. can see, yeah, the handlebar can... covers. Yeah, tilt your camera down a little bit. Everybody, if you can, go maybe watch this on YouTube so you can actually see uh, Daniel's bike. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have some of those. I've seen them. They're amazing. I can. Heavy duty ones. <laughs> yeah, these are the heavy duty ones. They're by Dogwood Designs up here in Fairbanks. And um, I can ride when it's about 25 below with just my hands in there. It keeps the wind from blowing on my knuckles. Uh, it actually creates a small hot, it creates a small heat pocket just due to your body heat. So you can like comfortably pull your hand, put your hand in there and out there. Uh, for me, I can tolerate up to 20 below. After that, I usually put like a heat warmer or something like that in there. Yeah. But yeah, I, I rock those uh, pretty much eight months out of the year when it's cold. Oh my, eight months out of the year. <laughs> so is it is it getting nicer right now being april i see yeah it's, still... yeah it's 60 degrees outside right now but there's still snow we got a bunch of snow this year so it's still melting oh, okay oh is that flag on your bike yes so oh, the reason I thought, I thought that was freestanding behind your bike i'm like god you got the bike you got the flag but actually the flag is on your bike. That's really nice. Yes. The reason that the flag is on my bike as well is um, here in Fairbanks, Alaska, um, as is most other places in Alaska, in the winter, it gets dark. It's uh, dark here. I want to say like 18 to 20 hours out of the day. And uh, so visibility on the road or on the side of the road is a really big issue. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that I solved that was putting a flag on my bike because it draws attention to it when I'm biking as well. You can't see it now, but I have um, bike lights inside of the spokes that oh. I use that I turn on. And these particular ones, they flash orange. Nice. So I try and uh, while I'm biking at night, I try and uh, maintain a high level of visibility to like hopefully prevent uh, cars from running into me. <laughs> Yeah, I would say, and I'm sure as as you get snow, like anywhere like here, the road starts getting smaller. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. If, if you're dry, if you're using your bike uh, year round. 
then that could be an issue. So tell me about um, the endurance racing. Like, how did you, is that local or have you been traveling for that or what's, what's um, it's all, it's all local so far. Um, I haven't done any traveling yet. I would like to, if the opportunities present itself. Um, <laughs> one of my dreams is to do the Iditarod Invitational. Uh, are you familiar with the Iditarod, the dog mushing race from Anchorage to Nome? <gasps> yes, that's it. Oh, that's it's, what the gentleman. Okay. Yeah, so that you can do that that skiing or hiking or I'm not sure if hiking, skiing or mount or bat, fat biking. Um, or is it my or is that the options, or is it just the dog? Uh, skiing, fat biking, and I think there might be hiking. I'm not sure about that one. Okay, I thought there was hiking. Yeah, yeah. So that's the one that Tony did. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a. That's one of, that would be like one of my dreams come true is to be able to do that one. Um, I would say I'm a few years out from that though, because it's like, there's a lot of preparation that's going to go into biking 1200 miles in the middle of nowhere in the middle yeah. of winter in Alaska. Yeah, I, I would say so. And I was thinking, um, I thought that he said, um, I got, I thought that he said that it was starting to become compromising. Um, because of, uh, I won't say global warming, but there's a lot of lake crossings and things like that. Um, and so I think that might have been one of the reasons why he didn't finish the last one. But anyways, yeah, that, that sound pretty extreme for sure. <laughs> I think he got in in a lottery. I think he can go in oh, a lottery. Wow. You should check that out. Yeah, I think I will. Um, so up here they have uh, they have three different races, um, and they're called uh, the Tanana River Challenge, the China River to Ridge, and then the White Mountains One Hundred. And all three of them offer their own unique challenges. And the first one that I did was the Tanana River Challenge. Um, to date, I've done it three times. The first time um, I did the race, and I want to say it was like a week before the pandemic officially started. Like <laughs> the vibe was in the air, but like no one on the news was like, oh, we're in a pandemic type of thing. Yeah, you're in and, Alaska. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And at that time, I want to say like there was only like 24 people that showed up, right? So it was like, the diehard people that like probably do it every year. Then I show up out of the blue uh, wearing <laughs> car hearts and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, who's the new kid? <laughs> and um, the race itself was, I mean, it was pretty chill. Like it goes out seven miles on the Tanana river and then it cuts up into the Hills. Uh, you do a loop that's about seven or eight miles and then you come back. So, the total race ends up being about 25 miles okay. or 45 miles if you opt for the larger of the two races. Uh -huh. um, I opted for the larger of the two races and I got a DNF because on my way to the sec, it took me so long to get there on my way to the second checkpoint. They had already broken it down and was heading back into town. And they're like, hey, you can jump on the snow machine or you can ride your bike back. And I was like, oh, I'll ride my bike back. 
So I just had like 15 miles of just like, man, this sucks. <laughs> You're like, dang, I should have <laughs> taken the offer. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Oh, wow. So, so then fast forward to the next year, I do it again, but I opt to go into the 25 mile race. Uh-huh. And I finished that one with ease. The race is the same course. And then um, two weeks later is the Chena River to Ridge race. And the Chena River to Ridge takes place in uh, out in Two Rivers, Alaska. So it's about 30 or I want to say about 30 miles north of Fairbanks. And um, it goes uh, it goes into the Twin Bears uh, campgrounds and it goes up in some hills. And it's a really, normally it's a pretty relaxing race. The only real issues that you have to worry about is just like dealing with the cold. However, the night before, about eight inches of snow dumped. (gasps) So, yeah, it was, uh, it was less a physical burden and more of a mental burden. (laughs) Um, Out of the 24 racers that signed up for the 25 mile bike race only 12 finished and i would be the last finisher it took oh, me 11 and a half hours to finish it <gasps> thank you oh and, my god did like how do you prepare for like were you thinking you did gonna take that long um i mean i brought water with me i brought food okay. um i brought my usual kit i brought like a small change of clothes um i didn't think it was going to take that long but given that there wasn't a time limit, I figured I was just going to take as long as I needed to. I brought a headlamp with me in case it got dark, which I'm glad I did bring a headlamp because it absolutely got dark. Um, <laughs> the thing that the th- the part where a lot of people ended up tapping out at was uh, there's about a four mile stretch in the first eight miles of it where it's like essentially just uphill. Like you're going uphill and then there's like a flat spot and then you're going uphill and I ended up having to walk my bike up it and that's part of the reason why it took so long because with the snow that deep you just can't really bike up the hill and uh, the whole time I'm going up I just see person after person walking back down and they're like good luck man this ain't worth it and like any every time they said that it just reinforced the like okay I need to prove all of you wrong like like, um, I'm getting closer to the beginning (laughs) like to you know the there's one last competitor, another one, one. Right, right. <laughs> and then um, I got to a point where, like, I want to say I got to, like, a halfway point into the race where I was just like, well, at this point, I might as well just keep pushing forward because it'll take – it'll be quicker for me to finish the race than it will for me to turn around and go back. And um, I ended up making the checkpoint – I was the last person to make the checkpoint and um, I want to say there were still nine miles of the race left and the checkpoint, they had like a little warming shelter. I couldn't unzip my jacket because I had sweated through it so much and it had froze. <gasps> oh my gosh. It, thankfully I was wearing uh, wool underwear and stuff. So I was still able to keep warm. I wasn't <laughs> suffering from hypothermia, but um, yeah, I was just like, profusely sweating everywhere and like all my sweat was just like freezing up everything and um (laughs) i'm in this i'm in this warming tent digging through my kit to pull out my uh to pull out my headlamp and for some reason i had a bet i had a um a can of bear spray with me which 
And those temperatures, it doesn't work anyway, and bears aren't <laughs> out. I don't know why I brought it. But I acted. <laughs> I accidentally discharged the bear spray in my bag. <gasps> and uh, thankfully it was so cold that it didn't like go up into the tent. It just stayed in the bag. So I didn't think anything of it. Um, I warm up, I put on my headlamp, and then I start pushing off to go down to the downhill section of this race. It's nine miles downhill. And, you know, we're talking a safety factor of about five or six. Like, if you're not paying attention, you can seriously hurt yourself. Um, right about when it gets dark, I start feeling a burning sensation on my forehead. <laughs> and um, I didn't think anything of it, so I just take my headlamp off. And uh, when I do that, sweat starts dripping down into my face and my eyes, and I just kind of, like, rub my face like this. And then I want to say, like, 30 seconds later, like my eyes start burning and stuff. And I was like, Oh no, the bear spray. So now <laughs> I'm on the side of this hill. It's getting dark. It's like right about zero degrees outside. And, um, I'm essentially blind on the side of this hill now. <laughs> and I'm like doing everything I can not to panic because I know that like the worst thing I could have done in that situation is panic. Cause I would have made that situation 10 times worse. Right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> thankfully these races have like safety people. So uh, one of the safety person coming up the rear was actually an off duty, uh, Alaska state trooper. And uh, he's like, Hey, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm blind. And he's like, what happened? So I told him and he's like, Oh, you got bear spray in your face. And I was like, Oh no. And he was like, don't worry. I've been sprayed in the face a couple of times. It's part of the job. <laughs> I guess it's and like I was pepper like, spray, right? Yeah, it's like real heavy duty pepper spray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's really funny, too, because he had like a very, very, like the way he was explaining everything to me. He was talking me through everything, like make sure I stayed calm. I didn't hurt mm-hmm. myself. But um he was very dry and very straightforward with it. Like there was no sympathy in his voice at all. It was pretty funny, <laughs> but like I, was, I, like I had a jug of hot cider and I was like, Can I put hot cider in my eyes. And he was like, no, that wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but then you have like bear spray and sticky stuff on your face. <laughs> but um, after about eight to 10 minutes or so, the burning subsided to where I was able to see, and then he asked me if I wanted to jump on the snow machine. I was like, no, I'm going to finish the race. And he was like, okay. So he just kind of like trailed behind me a little bit to like make mm-hmm. sure that like I didn't hurt myself or anything. But yeah, I finished the race um, going downhill. I had like, um, it, my face felt like it had just like had like wintergreen gum. <laughs> like you just riding my bike. And it was just like, woo. It was, a, it was, a, it was pretty fun. It was definitely, it's definitely one of those memories that I'm going to share for the rest of my life. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> funny. Well, appreciate that night, the downhill, right? There's got to oh, be yeah. a downhill. <laughs> so like, yay, I finished the, the race. He's like, well done. So that was your second time, right? Yes. And you went back for a third. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the third, I did the Tanana River Challenge again. I did that one this past March and uh, that one was, uh, that one was pretty fun. I actually, uh, I was the last finisher on that one and I won something called the red lantern prize, which I guess is something that they do during the Iditarod. Uh, It's for the last person to finish the race. (laughs) 
and uh it was pretty cool i got a cookbook about like how to cook like various alaska delicacies um a fifth of whiskey a knife and like some other little knickknacks and stuff it was pretty fun that was totally worth coming in last oh yeah and all these first right and all of these races too you get swag so like i've gotten i've collected a a small batch of sweaters some like socks some gloves a t-shirt it's like (laughs) one of the things up here that they do well that makes it worth it see like 24 people you leave with a lot of swag and uh i thought that's where i saw all your pictures and um and i was intrigued by what you're doing up there (laughs) or maybe you did such a good job on social media i'm like hey what's that (laughs) come on on we gotta tell me about this so now that you've you've kind of mastered are you going to go back for that next year uh yeah one of the things that i want to do long term is i want to do the white mountains 100. um i have yet to do that one just because like um the race itself is uh a bit more extreme than just 25 miles so it takes place in the white mountains in alaska so i want to say it's about 50 or so miles north of here and uh You have 42 hours to complete a hundred mile race. There's a cabin or two in between where you can sleep and rest in, but like the, the most diehard of the racers up here, they do it in about a day. Everybody else, it's like a bit of a journey. Uh-huh. So that's something that I want to do because that's, to me, that's the next logical step to get to the, I did a rod invitational. Yeah. I think that there's, um, are there, uh, are there events that you have to fin- complete first to qualify? Is that one of them? Mm, I don't know. I haven't looked into it that much, but I think so. Cause that's uh the white mountains 100 is definitely one of the more extreme winter activities that they have in the state as far as like fat biking is concerned. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that seems pretty extreme, especially in the winter. When is that one? Uh, it's in late March. Okay. All these, so, ra- all these, uh, all these races I've talked about, they happen in late February to uh, late February to late March. So is that when, I guess, when it's the coldest? Because all these winter, you're doing some river crossings too, right? As part of mm-hmm. some of the, yeah. Is there anything in the summer in Alaska? Uh... <laughs> It's all in the winter. There is not not so much for fat bike racing up here per se, but there is um, there is the Great Alaska Foot Race, which is like I want to say from Anchorage to Seward. It's like a two hundred mile foot race that you do as a team. Oh wow, that's cool. Mm-hmm. There's um, I mean in general, one of the beautiful things about Alaska is like it's a it's very pro get outside and be active. So, I mean, there's, there's activities for everyone. I have friends here that are like ultra distance runners. Like they, they go out on 50 mile runs, a hundred mile runs. Um, (laughs) There's races up here that support that. And I'm just like, that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool for you. Well, they're probably like, yeah, I would never do what you're doing either. Um, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, no, I was going to ask you, so what's your dad's business? Are you still working, uh, the business or 
you went back to school? Uh, no, I, um, so I went to school uh, as a drafting technician and okay. I graduated about a year ago and I will soon be starting a job working for the state for DOT. Um, my father is getting ready to retire from uh, the local communications company up here and uh, he's getting into the marijuana business. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people doing that these days. So the CBD business. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's big business. I actually tried some for the first time ever in my life. It was, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of Floyd's, Floyd's of Leadville CBD. Um, I have not. He is, his, his business is East, the East Coast. I want to say near Philadelphia, but I don't think so. But it's in that quadrant. And uh, yeah, so he does like CBD gels and things like that. And it's like, help you sleep. That's for sure. You can't. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, that was my first experience. I, I, I met um, a friend who had like, so Floyd's of Landis is, the company, but there's also the team. So I met the team manager and they have like a gravel team. So since you're in, in fat biking, is there anything for gravel up there or more, mm. more mountain biking? Is that? Oh yeah. 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 And yeah. In the summer, um, I mean, like I live in the middle of a valley surrounded by hills. So, I mean, in the summer, there's a bunch of single tracks around here that uh, I've taken my bike out on and um, other people. I mean, it's kind of like just like a daily thing for them. Right. So you just sort of mountain bike. Well, I mean, I know a lot of people here who have both and fat biking is good in the summer as well as in the winter. I have not gravitated mm -hmm. to it yet. No, I'm not probably not going to. I'm like, I can't, I can't afford another bike. I just got a gravel bike. So that's, <laughs> that's where I'm going. So now you're going to start a new job. That's super yes. exciting. It's going to take away from all your free time. What are you going to do? Uh, I'll fit it in where I can. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I know you are. So <laughs> now. One of the beautiful things. Oh. Yeah. No, tell me more, a little bit more about Alaska. Cause it's, you know, it's just one of those mysteries, mystery places. So one of the beautiful things about Alaska in general, but in particular Fairbanks is that, um, fat biking and just biking in general is kind of like an accepted part of the culture here. Um, many of the times when they do road construction or they do road improvements, um, they put walking and biking trails into the equation so they actively expand those um nice. dog dog mushing is another thing that's really popular here as a winter activity mm -hmm. so in the summer those dog mushing trails double up as biking trails and um hiking trails so there are 50 to 60 miles worth of trails all around like the immediate um, city limits that I mean, you can find yourself lost and for days at a time if you wanted to really and just bike them. And uh, because of that, there's people that live on the outskirts of town that willfully choose to bike in and out 
to town for work on a daily mm-hmm. basis. In the winter, they ski or they fat bike. Um, Skajorning is another thing. That's where like you have dogs and you attach the dogs to you and they kind of like pull you on your bike <laughs> or your skis. Everybody needs a couple dogs for that. What do you call that? Skajorning. Skajorning. Oh, I like that and, little towing action. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I mean, like, it's really a way of life up here. It's uh, it's awesome. I mean, on any given day, like, you'll see people running, jogging. You'll see people biking. Um, you'll see people skiing. There's uh, and people up here are very crafty too. Uh, you'll see like those bike carriers that have the wheels. People take the wheels off and they'll put skis on them. So they can oh, yeah. still go out and enjoy biking, but they can have their kids in the back uh-huh. so they can get into it too. It's a, it's a very interesting way to live life up here with like how active everything is. That's great. I know quite a few people who have done bike tours and Alaska, you know, they, they have the, um, you know, they try and cycle through every one of the, um, U.S. states, mm-hmm. and of course, making up to Alaska's is one of them. And uh, a couple of my friends that I've met and done the uh, podcast episode have made it up there and back. And I'm just like, that's amazing. I, I always find it uh, interesting when you know people just decide that they're going to bike across the United States, and you know. <laughs> just just gonna bike across the united states for this month i'm like oh my god (laughs) yeah i don't know where they find the time or the money to do that because it's not cheap yeah well yeah usually it's a sabbatical or quite a few of them have been teachers so Mm -hmm. they got the summer off that's what you need need to become a teacher daniel (laughs) take the (laughs) summer off bike down into the states and back up so this is super cool. I really appreciate um, and you sharing with our listeners. Is there any last bit of wisdom or information you'd like to share? You can share where they can find you and um, follow your journey up in Alaska. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess if there's one bit of wisdom that I could share with the listeners and watchers um, is that it's never too late to change your life around. Uh, before I got into biking, I kind of, I felt like uh, a ship without a sail, right? Like mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to go somewhere, but I had no idea how I was going to get there. Um, and biking just like, it's just been a net positive overall. Like it's increased my physical fitness it's increased my mental uh, fitness and I've met people and have rubbed elbows with people that like, if it wasn't for biking, we would have probably never associated with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fun and healthy activity. It's as long as you keep up on it and you keep up with the maintenance, it's not something that is ever going to you're not going to see it as like a waste of time or a waste of money. Like it's just something to help build a foundation of your life. And regardless of where you are in your life or your past experiences, like 
biking can be one of those things that can help propel you to the next stage of your life. Yeah. And as far as social media, uh, I mean, if you want to follow me, Fat Bike Curious uh, with underscores in between each letter. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Fat underscore bike underscore curious. Yes. And that's, uh, that's where I found him. So I really thank you. I love being, bringing stories like this, especially in, in different places. Alaska is one of those that's just so mysterious. And like I was mentioning to you, uh, my husband and I watch a lot of survival type um, reality shows and there've been a fair amount of them out of Alaska, like (laughs) solo, you know, living off the land um, type of, of shows. And we've always really, really enjoyed them. So Oh yeah, it's, it's it's fun to be able to talk to somebody who's who lives there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not as extreme as those guys, but a cyclist and living in Fairbanks, Alaska. So, I want to thank you again, and don't forget to follow Daniel at fat underscore bike underscore curious, and follow his um, his life up in Alaska, and also follow the podcast at Secrets from the Saddle podcast on Instagram and don't forget to sign up for our newsletter so that you don't miss an episode uh, a weekly episode so with that thanks so much everyone have an amazing day and thanks a lot Daniel again yep thank you have a good day I hope you enjoyed that episode with Daniel and I hope you caught this on YouTube because I don't know just watching him sitting on his porch in the sunshine with his bike in the background, it just gave a whole new meaning of, you know, the passion wrapped around fat biking and what Alaska means. And I don't know about you, but I think Alaska is as close to the wilderness as you can find any uh, country, in a country, but like any city such as Fairbanks. So I hope you enjoyed that and, you know, gave you a little perspective as to what it's like up there. But um, anyways, I hope you have an amazing day and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast. Learning more about sighting people, places and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.